This is the running down. This is the running down. This is the running down. And if you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. Yeah. Turn up. What's going down, people? People, it's your homie, homie, CL, back live on the Rundown Sports. And uh, today, got an old friend back on the podcast. Uh, y'all might know him from The Falcoholic, uh, the SB Nation site dedicated to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, have Dave showed on the line. What's going on, Dave? Not much, man. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, man, I appreciate you coming back, man. I'm sorry I had disappeared on you toward the end of last season. Uh, had a couple things going on, but nevertheless, we back at it. Yeah, you know, I think we all felt like disappearing at the end of last season. Anyway. <laughs> well, definitely, man. It, it was a uh, kind of a rough ending, but uh, something I can't say I was uh, surprised to see, uh, only because after we got that peak at Mike Smith trying to be tough and hard knocks, uh, I kind of knew the direction the season probably was going. I wish I had known ahead of time. I, I had a little too much hope saved up there. Well, you know, that's that's the currency of the NFL. They got to sell hope to everybody. Yes. Now, uh, before we really get into the nitty-gritty, so uh, what's what's brand new with you? Not a whole lot, you know. It, it's uh, We're just getting ready for the season, preseason, the whole nine yards. Really excited about that. It's... Uh, you know, we got Gina Thomas down at training camp right now. She's got a lot of good stuff coming out of that. And like you said, we're selling hope right now. Everybody's feeling pretty good about the team. We'll see if it lasts when, when they start actually playing the games. Okay. So I guess we could uh, just start at the biggest change that was made in the offseason, which went from uh, the coaching change going from Mike Smith to Dan Quinn. Now, uh, if nobody heard what Colin said, now – no longer with ESPN, supposed to be coming up on Fox. Uh, had a few choice words to say. Seattle coordinator takes the Atlanta job yesterday. Here we go. The brand of football that we're going to play is going to be fast and physical. We're going to attack in every phase that we can do it. And then most importantly, I would like you to know that the energy and the enthusiasm you bring to the Atlanta Falcons can be unmatched in terms of the energy I'll try to bring to you right. as your head football coach. All right. You're going to take Seattle's players to Atlanta? Because your players stink. You were last in the league in defense. We're going to bring unmatched energy. Colin, what do you want these head coaches to say? Oh, you understand that they're selling hope. Like, they got hired for a reason, and they're just selling hope to the fan base. I got hired. Here's what I'm going to do. How, okay, what do you so, want them to say? Okay, it's like guys who date women. I always dated over my head. You know why? Because I told her all the bad parts on the first date. You know, here's what. Give me a press conference. Here's what Dan Quinn should have said as the Atlanta Falcons' new coach. Hi, everybody. I'm Dan Quinn. We stink. This defense gave up four football fields every Sunday. Yes, Seattle's defense was awesome. Pete Carroll coached that I didn't. This one is a dumpster fire. And I can't honestly ever see Matt Ryan holding a Lombardi trophy. It's not going to happen. Hashtag analysis. Roddy White's washed up and Julio Jones can't stay on the field. And I personally hate every linebacker on this roster. Is there any way Tony Gonzalez will come out of retirement? <laughs> We were 6-10, and ten and we almost made the playoffs, so here's the good news. Our division stinks. I'm Dan Quinn. Thanks for flying United. Now, Dave, you heard what Colin said about Dan Quinn coming in. 
Now, some of those yep. things were a little incorrect uh, because Dan Quinn was part of the reason why Seattle's defense was so different, uh, you know, coming up with all those different schemes and, uh, you know, putting people in certain places. Now, uh, how did that make you feel about, you know, in general for the team and especially on the defense side of things? You know, it just makes me feel better to know that somebody who has been, you know, at the helm of a successful defense in the last five years, you know, is the guy that's going to be taking over. And I think, you know, they've added some talent. Uh, having Vic, Vic Beasley there makes a huge difference. But it's just having that defensive-minded head coach um, that, that's used to being a little bit more aggressive, used to having his players play a little more fast and physical. It gives you hope that, you know, we're not going to be the second coming of the Seattle Seahawks anytime soon, if ever. Right. But you can squint and see a, a decent defense, I think. <laughs> I like how you put that. You said you could uh, kind of see the the, uh, the comings of it. Now, uh, you did mention Vic Beasley. That was the uh, number one pick for the Falcons. Were you uh, thrilled about that, or were you hoping they went with a different pass rusher? I was thrilled. Um, you know, he was a guy that I, I didn't think they'd get him after a certain point. I thought he'd be snapped up before he ever got to them. But he was he was really a guy that I was really interested in. Um, I, I think I liked Randy Gregory the best out of any pass rusher in the class. Um, I was disappointed not to not to see him double dip and come up with him. But Beasley's great. Um, he looks the part already, and I mean this this guy could be the first real pass rusher they've had since John Abraham. So I'm excited to see him. Okay. Uh, uh, now, what are some things that's been coming out of camp about uh, Vic? Yeah, well, it's, you know, so far he's been everything he's been advertised to be, which is he's really fast. Um, you know, he's, he's handling guys, even even Jake Matthews, you know, he's battling them well, that, that left tackle there. And, uh, you know, he looks like a pass rusher that's ready to go. That's going to make an impact right away. And he also looks like a guy that, you know, isn't going to be a great run defender right away. So it's it's going to be key, I think, how they use him. Um, you know, I'm hoping he's not just on the field for third down. It's kind of a waste of the talent. Right. So uh, basically having Big B's being a, uh every down player uh, really should make a difference. Now, <clears throat> did make a, a, a lot of changes. I guess you could say wholesale changes when it came to the team. Uh, what are some other things you're looking forward to uh, this coming up season? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is seeing if this offense can really be what it should be. Um, you know, they've got a couple of good young running backs. They're both on the shelf right now with hamstring injuries, but, you know, they're going to get there. Um, they added some talent to receiver and tight end, and if the offensive line's healthy, I think that, you know, this could be a better than good defense. I, I mean, offense, rather. Last two seasons, you know, they were good, but Matt Ryan didn't have any time. Guys were getting injured, and, and that really hurt him. So I think if if they can stay healthy, that's a big if every year. Um, I think that can be one of the better offenses in the NFL. And, I mean, from there I can tell you I'm looking forward to seeing a better defense. But we all know it's not going to be better than average uh, probably. So I'm really looking forward to seeing if the offense can get good enough to carry that defense. Okay. Now – you hit on a couple of things there. You real excited about the offense. My one question is, with the departure of Steven Jackson, who is really the leading candidate to be the starting running back? Yeah, it's a tough question because, um, 
you know, Devonta Freeman's there in his second year. He's looked really good in training camp. He's a guy that can do a little bit of everything for you. And then they drafted Tevin Coleman in the third round. And he's a guy that, you know, Kyle Shanahan being here doing the zone blocking scheme, I think, is he's a good fit for that. He, he can make one cut and he just flies down the field. He's got crazy, crazy good wheels. So it's a real competition between the two of them. And then with them both being out a couple of weeks with hamstring injuries, I don't really know who's going to end up winning that battle. It's it's really between two guys, and I think that on one hand it's exciting because they both have a lot of talent. On the other hand, neither of them have proven anything yet, so you do kind of worry about that. Okay. Now, I forgot about that, and as you tell from uh, our conversation off the air, you know, I've kind of been under a rock when it comes to everything, and I completely forgot that Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. Big change. I know they bring their zone blocking scheme. Is there anything else notable that the offense has changed uh, since Kyle Shanahan has been there? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is is really what they've done with the passing game has been big. Um, you know, they added Justin Hardy, who I like, rookie fourth round receiver. Um, you know, who knows how good he'll be year one? But they added Leonard Hankerson formerly of the Washington Redskins. And, you know, he's a guy that's been hurt a lot, but he's always been big and fast, talented. So we like that. And they picked up Jacob Tammy at tight end. And, and, you know, a year ago they didn't have anybody at tight end. They might as well have not put one on the field. <laughs> so, you know, to have Tammy, who's decent, uh, it just makes a big difference. Like, that's that's the optimism for me is it's not, you know, Julio Jones and Roddy White and then I don't know what you've got. They've got a couple more options there. So that's a big, big difference to me. Okay, now you are correct. The tight end position last year was a big drop off. I'm not sure how much Jacob Tammy gonna bring to the table, but I'm guessing since he he played in that system that he should be familiar uh, and kind of fit right in and probably should lead the way uh, in that category. Do you expect him to be the starting tight end? I do. I do. I think uh, you know they had Tony Moiaki who I think is a, is a good player, but he, he's always hurt, you know? And uh, Levine Toilolo looks better, but he was he was kind of a disaster as a starter a year ago, unfortunately. So I think it's Tammy or Bust this year, and, you know, nobody's nobody's jumping up and down for that guy, but we'll, we'll take somebody that's competent and can catch the football. Yeah, I can't remember Toilolo catching the ball not one time last year. I'm thinking it, it didn't happen that often. No, I'm thinking really hard, and I can't put my finger on one play where oh he made that. No, nothing there. Uh, now that is interesting. Bringing up Moyaki, that's one of those guys that I'm guessing Pioli probably had influence on bringing in. Is his presence being felt a little bit more? You know, I, I think uh, it is. He's definitely, you know, he was put in charge of, of scouting, really, for the whole team. And I think that, you know, you're seeing kind of his influence on some of the pickups this team is making. Um, definitely Moiaki, who he's familiar with. Definitely the, the, the kind of drafts they put together. But it's still hard to tell where Thomas Dimitrov ends and, and Scott Pioli begins. So, you know, I'm hesitant to, to give either one of them too much credit. They're supposed to be collaborating we don't know behind the scenes, but it definitely does seem like he always got a bigger role. Okay. Now, my thing with the Falcons uh, front office 
is they're still struggling with the curse of Michael Vick, which basically is that anybody with any type of character issue whatsoever, they will not touch. Uh, because knowing what the defense was and having seven rounds to uh, draft Gregory, that told me a lot about them right there. Um, you know, I had a pretty good feeling they wouldn't touch Greg Hardy. Uh, who else? Uh, and then, I mean, the list goes on and on. But pretty much, how do you think they're going to get by just passing on a lot of those guys that are, you know, considered, uh, what's the word? I guess uh, uh, on the edge. Uh, yeah. You know, like we just had a uh, notable one uh, getting to the Hall of Fame, uh, Charles Haley. Uh, who is infamous for, you know, being naked in the locker room, fondling himself in meetings. And, uh, you know, he was a key piece to uh, Jimmy Johnson getting uh, his Super Bowls. So do you think they'll ever take a chance on anybody with any type of issue? Yeah, I think, you know, um, they will eventually. I think for now they're they're kind of – Focusing in on, they still want those high character guys. They're trying to get, you know, the guys on cheap deals who maybe had an injury history and whatnot. But you know, they're sticking to that philosophy. I think, uh, unfortunately, it probably didn't help the the whole thing with Prince Shembo, um, you know, getting into trouble there for kicking and killing his girlfriend's dog after they kind of took a chance on drafting him last year. Anyways. Um, I don't think that's going to change their approach. It's going to reinforce it, if anything. So I think, you know, I'm hoping eventually that they'll get to the point where they feel comfortable taking gambles on guys that, you know, have a little bit of a history. And I, I guess you could argue that Jalen Collins, their second-round pick out of LSU, you know, he got, I think, busted for weed a couple times. A little bit of character concerns there. But, yeah, they're never, they're never really going to go for the, the, the big trouble guys, I don't think, as long as Arthur Blank's the owner. Right, and I think that's pretty much where that's coming from. Those are executive orders, and uh, my theory is ever since he was wheelchairing Michael Vick around, he hasn't felt the same about players. Um, that have no uh, inside information on that, but just from the outside looking in, the optics tell me that he would probably never go that far out of his way for a player again. Uh, now, that does create a different dynamic, bringing it back to Dan Quinn, because the Seahawks were notorious for taking chances on guys and pretty much getting them to buy into the culture. Do you think if Dan Quinn does a good enough job that he might get that leash from Arthur Blank? I think so. I think so. I think, uh, you know, year one, I don't think he was going to be able to sell that. Arthur Blank, you know, he's got to be able to say these are the kind of guys I want, but I think he's going to have to show that he's got a foundation, he's got a locker room, and he himself you know, has enough control over the team that they feel comfortable doing that. And it could take years for him to do that. I hope it doesn't, if the Falcons have a shot at a player that maybe has a little bit of a history, but is a good fit for the team. Um, you know, you can argue, again, like with Gregory, they've already passed on one at least, but you know, I do think that he's got that opportunity um, to get enough clout in the organization that they're chasing chasing a different kind of player. Okay. Now, uh, I know you run a little short on time, so we'll kind of keep it quick with the last few questions. Now, where do you see the Falcons ending up at the end of the season? 
You know, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I'm going to give you a number of prediction that's going to be wrong, like it always is. But it, it's a <laughs> tough year to predict because we don't know yet what this is going to look like on the field. But I'm, I'm kind of looking at a 10-6 and six season, a 9-7-10-6 season. And, and that might be optimistic. But I look at the rest of the NFC South the way it is right now. I look at the improvements they've made. I, I look at having, you know, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan there. Uh, Desmond Trufant, and they've got some pieces. So I think it really depends on can they be healthy, and is Dan Quinn as good a coach as he's advertised to be? And I think if they do stay healthy, and he is, they're going to put together a winning season. Um, I don't know if that's going to be enough to to win the South or not. It can't possibly be as bad as it was a year ago, (laughs) but we'll find out. Yeah, man, that NFC South was pretty atrocious last year. I I, I can't even lie about that one. Uh, As much grief as I gave uh, the NFC West a few years ago having a 79 champion, I, I really can't say too much this year. Uh, no. Now, you did bring up Julio Jones. Is this contract going to get done before the season starts? You know, I'm thinking so, and I thought it would get done even before the start of training camp, so I don't know what the holdup is. Um, you know, they've kind of got those baselines. T.Y. Hilton just got his deal done. Des Bryant got his deal done. Uh, Demarius Thomas, so there's there's really no obstacle there. It's, it's just a question of the two sides getting together. So I still think it gets done before the season. The only thing that, that slows me down on that is the fact that it's not done already, and I kind of thought it would be. Now, what do you think might be holding it up? You know, I'm not sure. I think it, it might be with the injury history that Julio's got, I, I think it might be the guaranteed money. Um, you know, you can certainly make the case that if you're the team, you want to protect yourself a little bit more. Julio's going to say, you know, freak injuries, and, and I'm one of the five best receivers in the league, which I think is, is pretty well accepted at this point. So I, I think that's probably going Still that day? I don't know if that was you or me. I don't know. It started breaking up a little bit. I was hearing it going out, and it just went going, going, going. Ah, uh, man. Sorry about that. You, where, where did I cut off? Uh, I, well, I was asking you about what you thought the holdup was. So, uh, Donald, we got you back on. So, what, what do you think that holdup is uh, with uh, Julio's injury? I'm not – good grief. You were saying that uh, Julio uh, – contract might be getting held up by the the amount of injuries that he's had. Yeah, and I think it, it might be. I think it's all, you know, guaranteed money at this point is what I think. I think they're going to agree on the years. I think the total money's not hard to figure out, but if you're the team and you want to protect yourself a little bit, you're looking for a little bit less guaranteed, a little more spread out. 
if you're Julio, you're saying, I'm one of the five best receivers in the league. Those were freak injuries and, you know, nothing to it. Um, so I, I think it'll get done, but I, I, my guess is that's where the two sides are apart on right now. Okay. Now, got in this discussion with a couple of my colleagues about Julio. Uh, he feels like uh, Julio has elite talent, but he's not an elite receiver. Uh, where do you sit on that argument? I think he I think he is an elite receiver. I think that, you know, the biggest knock against him I think that they're team dependent. Um, number one, he doesn't score a ton of touchdowns. He he didn't last year and I think a lot of people hold that against him. I think that the the Falcons weren't that efficient in the red zone. I think that they had a lot of trouble getting there. I think they had a lot of trouble scoring. They were one dimensional, no ground game. So Julio, you know, teams could double cover him and really take him out down there and they did. I think that's an argument you can use against him being elite, but I think that most receivers, if they're being well covered like that in the red zone, they're not going to make a huge contribution. And I think the other piece of it is, you know, I don't think he got thrown through as much as he even should have been because Matt Ryan didn't have the time to look for him downfield. And I think, again, it's going to depend on the offensive line. But I think Julio's got elite talent, and I think he is an elite receiver. I think he just needs the team around him to to show up a little more so he can really, you know, show out. All right. Now, I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, hopefully, there will be a lot more excitement. No no doubt every game going to sell out. Uh, <clears throat> I guess before we get out of here, uh, what's the best way to get in contact with you? And uh, I guess what's the, what's the most current thing you got going on over there at the Falcoholic? Yeah, I mean, you can check us out at www.thefalcoholic.com. We get a lot of preseason coverage, training camp coverage. We're over there every day. Uh, you can find us on Facebook slash The Falcoholic, and you can find us on Twitter at The Falcoholic, too. Awesome. All right, Dave Show. I do appreciate you coming on the podcast once again, man. And uh, you take care. Hey, thanks, man. Take it easy.